Thank you for listening to the CEO-ish podcast hosted by me, Taylor Graham. And me, Chloe Willemson. We are so excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become our first official sponsor for the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zencaster for our podcast. I need everyone to understand that this is now the fifth time Chloe and I are having to re-record this intro to us being total dumbasses, but hi and welcome back to the CEO-ish podcast or welcome if you are a new listener of ours. As always, we are Chloe and Taylor. Hi, I am Taylor. This is my voice if you are unfamiliar with me. And every week we chat with your favorite entrepreneurs, creators, and artists about all things entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, a little woo-woo spirituality here and there, and most importantly, how all of these things come together to impact our mental health as creatives. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different because I was also sick with COVID, so Taylor had to take this interview solo, which I'm super bummed about since we finally had another artist on the podcast. But this week, we are sitting down with New York City native and Art Sugar founder, Alex Greenberg. Alex spent nearly a decade working in the fine art industry before launching in 2017 with the goal to make the art world more accessible for artists and collectors. With a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Cornell and a Master's of Arts from Christie's Auctions House, Alex combined her love of drawing and art history with her dedication to giving back, and Art Sugar was born. Alex runs Art Sugar from West Village in New York City. She is a member of the Female Founder Collective, a Jewish Week 36 Under 36 2019 recipient, an alumna of Project Entrepreneur, which was sponsored by Rent the Runway and UBS, an alumna of Venture Crush, as well as a manuscript editor for The Value of Art by Michael Findlay. Basically, Alex is one of the coolest people we have ever talked to on our podcast, and we are so excited to have another artist here. But before we dive into our interview with Alex, we have so much to catch you guys up on from this last week. So Chloe, can you please kick us off with our updates and all aboard the gravy train? (laughs) Yeah. So starting off, number one, I want to marry Young Gravy. Basically, when I had COVID, (laughs) I was super bored. So and I was like depressed because I like Taylor was gone and I was just like, I was to the point where I was feeling better, but like still couldn't leave the house, you know? So I was like, you know, I'm just going to paint and ironically listen to Young Gravy because you can't be sad while listening to his entire discography. Um, About a song and a half into it, I was like, yeah, this is no longer ironic. I love him. And then I found out that he's six foot eight and I almost crashed my car. So (laughs) I love this man. I also like I'm not going to pretend like I know a whole lot of information about him, but I feel like we'd be very compatible. And I'm not kidding. I I need you guys to understand what I went through for about 72 straight hours because as soon as this hyperfixation for Chloe started, which by the way, if you are not familiar with Chloe and I as people, the hyperfixations we go through are so real. Mm-hmm. But it's it's insane. Um, but basically, I was on FaceTime with my friend Liana. Shout out Liana if you're listening to this podcast. And Chloe was just in the corner unironically listening to this man's music and watching TikToks about him. And it all transpired into this really funny TikTok that Chloe ended up making, which was basically a huge pitch of why Young Gravy should marry her. Um, please, please talk yeah. more about this. Okay. Like, honest, I want to read the script to you guys because it's fucking hilarious. I worked on it for like three days. Taylor helped me. Liana helped me. Like, it is hilarious. It's got jokes on fucking it's jokes. It's got jokes on jokes. Um, it will be linked to the show notes. Please honestly tag him in it. I'm, I don't even care. Shamelessly plugging my own TikTok. 
please tag Young Gravy in it. I'm trying to marry this man. I'm not kidding. And on that note, Taylor and I are going to his concert in November. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Chloe bought floor tickets to this concert. Well, I should I'm going to be front and center, baby. I'm getting there five hours early wearing my tallest heels. I'm going to have a giant sign saying, marry me or you're scared. I think you should put your QR code to your exact TikTok on the sign so people can scan it and continue hyping you up. I'm going to. Oh, by the way, it's like also going viral. It's like at like 65,000-ish views. I was going to say a casual note is Chloe went viral on TikTok. Thanks. Which is funny because I have like 200 followers. Well, I went up now, but like I had like 200 followers. How many followers did you get from this experience? Like over 300. That's 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 not that bad, man. Yeah. No. Um, none of them were young gravy though, so yeah. I don't care. He's the only one that matters. <laughs> he he's gonna see it at some point. I just I, I have so. full faith. I'm manifesting this Thank for you. you. You're welcome. People are shipping us together, and I agree with them. There has okay. TikTok <laughs> is a fascinating platform to me because usually when videos go viral, at some point they do start to receive some form of negativity. The internet is obsessed with Chloe, you guys. No, one person, I got one negative comment that said, you're not nearly old enough and you don't have kids because if you don't know, Young Gravy loves MILFs. And first of all, my argument to that is if kids are a deal breaker, feel free to get me pregnant, Gravy. Second of all, <laughs> she is I have milf. a cat. I am a MILF. Have y'all seen Frida? She's fucking beautiful. She's a beautiful daughter of mine. So <laughs> she birthed her. <laughs> she, she, she's my blood. <laughs> she is my blood. Um, um, but yeah, not a, like... Like, I wrote the script to be a joke, to be funny, but I'm not at all joking. Like, I'm trying to pull this man. Please help me out. Please tag him in my video. She's trying to give him a starting five. I am trying to give him a starting five. I'm six feet tall, if you don't know. This man is between 6'6 six, six and 6'8, six, depending on the source. Either way, there I'm is trying to get on the gravy train. no woman on this planet that deserves his height more than you. I am dying for it. Please. <laughs> all right. Five and a half minutes in and we are done talking about Young Gravy, I think. Uh, are we, though? Are we? <laughs> Probably not. But moving along, you had a date this week. Yeah, it wasn't with Young Gravy, so. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. This was with, I'm going to call him Architecture Man, but we could be calling him Military Man number three. You guys. Guess who's in the military? This city is crawling with military men. Crawling Please with help them. us. <laughs> military men and cowboys. Apparently we need to choose because we can't have neither. And the Venn diagram between military men and cowboys that are conservative is a circle. So. <laughs> not not a good time. To okay. Remind me again why we moved on south. I, I don't know. But also, in case you guys did not know, we are recording this on Monday, the 4th of July. The 4th of July is dead to us here at the CEO-ish podcast. We are wearing all black in mm-hmm. protest of our lack of independence this week. Fuck you, SCOTUS. Fuck you, SCOTUS. But happy birthday, America. I hope it's your last one. Please die. <laughs> the collapse of society is among us. I'm fine with it. Let's go, boys. I'm so scared. Please it's fine. Um, yeah, this is not looking good for us. No. Um, but no, my date actually was fun. We went to the Frist, which was nice. I didn't even tell him I wanted to go there, which is it's an art museum, if you don't know. Yeah, you he guys. He just got us tickets. I was like, that's thoughtful. I'm also throwing this out there as a massive amount of shade to you-know-who, but... Um, you finally found a man to take you to an art museum and not complain about not it. Not complain the whole time. He's actually <laughs> interested. And the Frist is like a beautiful building just in itself. It's like an art deco style, which is a super cool style. And this man has an architecture degree. So he was like geeking out over that. So that was really, it was just a fun time. I had a good time. I love that for you. Thank you. Yes. He's not young gravy, but I'll, I'll keep hanging out with him until is gravy he six, notices eight? me. <laughs> no, he's like the same height as me. I'll keep, I'll keep hanging out with him until gravy notices me. <laughs> um... Is this the next one? Or are we? Okay. We're just going down the line. We're just going down the list. Okay. 
Next on the list, I am doing this really big disco ball painting for our living room. You guys, Chloe hauled ass getting this painting done just so she could put it in her TikTok. Yeah, I was, <laughs> part of my TikTok is I was like, Gravy, you're a talented musician. I'm a talented artist. We're both creative. And I wanted to like prove myself. So I had to have this gorgeous painting done in the background. And it's not actually done. It just is done enough to make the TikTok, but it's coming along. Chloe can and will paint him like one of her French girls. Oh, I'm dying to. Um, but yeah. It's for like the podcast. We're eventually going to start recording TikToks for the podcast and that will kind of be the view. It's very on brand. You guys know we love disco balls. So I'm very excited about that. At some point we will get this apartment done and we will do an apartment tour with you guys and it'll yes. be super fun. But um, Chloe needed to not be sick and we need to get this gallery wall done. Yes. So, oh, we're losing our drill tomorrow. Sorry. That's okay. My sister bought one. Okay. But works for we us. can also get them up by tomorrow. Um, yeah. And then other than that, so I think, yeah, I did the mural while we had the podcast. Yeah. The bus mural that I did, like, for a her friend year Jessie. or so ago. Yeah, for my friend Jessie in her bus, which was, like, so cool. I was so excited about it. It had a bunch of gold leaf. Anyway, so she put it in her bus in storage over the winter, and the climate that it was in just totally destroyed the gold leaf on it. So I'm super bummed, but she's going to be in town in like a week or so. So I'm going to haul ass and get her a new mural in there because it's not looking so cute. And I want it to look cute in there. That so, makes me so sad for you. I it know does. How hard you I feel bad. And it looks so good. I just feel bad because like I have so many paintings that I have gold leaf on that I've had for years. And like it hasn't tarnished or looked bad at all. But I guess we just didn't consider the you know, climate that the bus is going to be in. This is just what it is like to be yes. your own business owner. It's and it's experience. a learning experience. And now you know for next time. Yes. No gold leaf in buses. In but. buses. <laughs> But yeah, super bummed about that. But we will be getting her some new art soon. So I'm excited to share that. Yeah. And then updates from me. My friend Kelly, who was on our podcast and we have an episode with her. I will link that one in the show notes for you guys as well. Go check it out. Kelly's awesome. But she came to visit me this weekend and we just got into a whole bunch of shenanigans. It was so fun. Um, I love having her here too. Also, like super appreciative. Kelly is very much like a low maintenance friend. So if you need like a chill day or like need to just not talk to somebody for a few hours, like Kelly is down to be chill which hosting people is just stressful. I know. So. Well, I didn't realize that at first, and I was like, is she bored? Like, we're not doing anything. Like, is she bored? No, she's introverted. <laughs> I yeah, love no, her for like, it. I'm like, do you want to, like, go out or something? She's like, no, I'm fine. Like, okay. Nope, we love Fair her for enough. it. But, yes, we did a whole bunch of fun things. Um, one of the standout things that we did is we tested out a comedy yes. show. Um, we know that was on our bucket list that we shared when we moved here, and we did the damn thing. Um, I'm not sure if it's called Zanes or Zanies. Um, but we went to a comedy club here called Zanies. Chloe has confirmed. And it was so good. We saw a man named Don DC Curry. And you guys, I am telling you right now, we so underpaid to see this man show. I cannot believe tickets were only $20. He was so funny. And his opening act was so funny as well. I really wish I could remember that guy's name. I will look him up and I will find it. And I'll put him in the show notes. You guys can look him up on YouTube and stuff. I know they definitely have mm -hmm. clips and things like that. Um, but I was not familiar with this man until this show. He's definitely very famous. Famous. He hangs yeah. out with like very famous celebrities like Will Smith, Chris Rock, all of these people. So I feel very lucky that we got to see his show yeah. and it was just a really good time. And I want to go back to more comedy shows. Definitely. It was hilarious. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, what else did we do with Kelly this weekend? I took her to, um, legendary, which is a huge milkshake shop. That was, I know that looks absolute fucking insanity. I cannot eat something that sugary. I know. Again. I saw your guys story and I was like, I'm so glad I didn't go. That looked disgusting. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It, it was definitely more Instagrammy. Also, can we talk about the fact those were 17 fucking dollars? That makes sense. I paid $24 to park and then I paid $17. Oh well, actually Kelly bought my milkshake. Thank you, Kelly. But yeah. Um, yeah, just so much. We had a fun bar crawl this weekend. Um, I got a little tipsy and posted some shady shit on my Instagram story. So if you guys saw that, that was funny. It was um, amazing. This is a formal fuck you to Kelly's ex. I don't like you. I don't. <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah. Don't so, come at us for bully. He's a cheating piece of shit. <laughs> oh, she said it, not me. <laughs> Anywho, moving along. Yeah, we had a just a great night out. We mm-hmm. we went to Midtown. We went to Broadway. Yeah. We walked all Which, over. I, I got to apologize. I was like, it's 4th of July weekend. We got to get there at like 8, 9 p.m. We got to beat the crowds. It's going to be so crowded. We get there and it's like fucking dead. I, so I was like, sorry. I need you to accept that this is going to be much like a college town where people do not go out until like 11 p.m. And we are going to have to revive our 18-year-old selves, 19, something like that. I feel like I'm able to do that more than you. Yeah, I'm old. Yeah. I'm fucking 25. Like, once I'm out, if I'm having a good time, I'll be out till the bar closes if that's what the group wants to do. If that's what the group wants. Okay, here's my stance on this. I have to go out with a healthy buzz, and I have to keep that buzz going for Mm -hmm. me to want to to stay out. If I lose my buzz, I'm done. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And there also has to be good music to dance to because I'm not trying to sit there awkwardly all night. If the music is bad, I'm done. Yeah. That. Oh. Or we just got to get drunk I have a complaint. You guys, people at bars here are fucking gross. There are people not wearing shoes while line dancing in a – Like, you guys, that is gross. If you are somebody who takes off their shoes in a public bar where there are glass shards and just – probably urine (laughs) like i don't even know what is on the floor of a bar okay like don't go barefoot that's so gross also men here are way too comfortable with their feet in flip-flops and i hate it cage your dogs men Oh my god, my laugh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, now some bad news. We've both been to urgent care by now. We're, we've been here for less than a month and we've been here like- we're apparently regulars. I got a punch card. Let's get one. <laughs> yeah, do urgent cares have like a reward system, like fifth visit oh my free? God. I know. It's ridiculous. I'm not getting into why I was in the fucking urgent care, but I'm fine. Like, we're both yeah, fine. Yeah, it was both, like, minor things, but it was just, like, really, we've been here for less than a month. We're not allowed to go anymore. There was nobody that said really harder than Joel Graham, my father. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> he was so sick of me. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, oh, I cannot believe we forgot to mention this earlier. Something that we also did with our friend Kelly is we made friends with our neighbors um, across the complex because they're not technically across the way because there's a giant courtyard in the middle of Mm -hmm. our complex with a pool. So we can't just like walk straight across. It's in a round situation. But it was with the same guy that we said helped us move in and his roommate. So we finally got to meet her. She was amazing. And we went to this beautiful greenhouse bar, which was also on our bucket list, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Called the greenhouse bar. And it's amazing their food's great. Their drinks are great. Um, you I can just, buy plants there. You can buy plants there? Yeah. They have oh, whole, we should have bought David a plant. Oh, we need to buy him oh, a no, plant. Oh, no. They were like $40 plants. Oh, <laughs> I'm not paying $40 for <laughs> yeah, a $50 no, 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 plant. No, no. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Um, we do need to get him a plant at some point, yes. though, to yes, thank yes, yes. him. Absolutely. Um, oh, and then the last thing I wanted to share, I'm bopping around. Guys, my ADHD is in <laughs> so much full force right now. Anywho, back to my urgent care story. 
Um, so Taylor had to get a prescription for her issue. And I had the most miserable experience. Actually, this is going to be now be my next five minute rant uh, as a huge fuck you to Walgreens. Okay. Walgreens could not have hoed my ass harder than they did this day because I'm not going to hold you guys. I was in an immeasurable amount of pain at the point that I was going to Walgreens. Like I needed my antibiotic. I was just not having a good time. And I went to the urgent care as soon as it opened. It opened at 8 a.m. Most of the time when I go to an urgent care, I'm going to assume I'm going to be there anywhere from like an hour and a half to three hours. Yeah. I was, they're not very urgent. No. However, they were pretty urgent at this one. I'm not going to lie. I was they were great. Out. Vanderbilt, you've got some great walk-in clinics. I was out within like an hour and 15 minutes, which is probably the shortest urgent care experience I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm now realizing that I'm making it sound like I go to urgent care so regularly. I really don't. But oh, like, I'm a vet at urgent care. She really is. <laughs> But anyways, okay, back to my whole Walgreens rant. I went, as I said, at 8 a.m. I was out of there by like 9.15. And they told me, hey, we're going to send your prescription to this Walgreens literally across the street. I could see it from the room I was sitting in. And they're like, it opened at 9 a.m. Just go pick up your prescription right there. You can head home. And I was like, awesome. Appreciate you so much. Walk in. Walgreens, the drugstore, opened at 9 a.m., but their pharmacy did not open until 10 a.m. And the thought of sitting in a parking lot for an hour while I was in pain was so miserable to me, like so beyond miserable. So I asked the lady, there was somebody at the counter, and I was like, hey, um, I can very clearly see that this is closed. Is there another Walgreens in this area that's like open right now? Like I need the medicine now. Like I, I can't do this. Mind you, I don't think I said this earlier. I This Walgreens was across town from where Chloe and I live. This was easily probably a 15, 20 minute drive. And when you live within like a five mile radius of six different Walgreens. You're like, I don't need to be making this long of a drive to come back here in an hour. And truthfully, by the time I got home, it was going to be time for me to turn around and go back. So I was just kind of a little irritated at the situation. Whatever. So they were like, we don't, we all universally open at 10 a.m. However, she looked up a Walgreens for me and was like, hey, this one's like right by your house. Just have them when you go in. She's like, you're going to have to go in to be able to do this. It's not going to be a drive through thing or you're going to hold up the line, but you can transfer your prescription to there and they'll be able to fill it. No problem. I was like, awesome. Thank you. Drive back to my house. I leave at 10 a.m. to go to this Walgreens that she specifically told me to go to that was super close to my house. I walk in and like an old school classroom, there's just a piece of printer paper taped to the thing that says pharmacy closed Sundays here. Oh my gosh. I was in full blown meltdown at this point, you guys. Like I was not having a good time. My pain had gone from maybe a solid two to three to upwards of a six to seven at this point. We were increasingly getting worse. And all I wanted was the antibiotic and the pain meds. The pain meds were the more important (laughs) thing here for me at this point. And so then in this moment, I literally just started bawling my eyes out. And if you know anything about me, you have to push me really, really far for me to excrete tears from my eye ducts. Like it just does not happen for me. I am more likely to get angry about something than I am to actually cry about it. Um, But in this moment, I realized I was going to have to drive back to the Walgreens across town because I wasn't really in the mood to play uh, like hip hop back and forth with all these different Walgreens locations and trying to figure out their inconsistent store hours because Google is up like not updated. All of them say they open at 9am, including the pharmacies. And it's just the most frustrating thing. And it's been a problem with 
all of these restaurants and business establishments in general since COVID, none of them have updated their actual store hours. And it's frustrating when you're in these kinds of scenarios. So I drive back to the original Walgreens and I pull up to the drive-through because at this point I like cannot walk you guys. I'm in so much fucking pain. And, um, the pharmacist, which also I want to, I want to preface what I'm about to say with, I fully acknowledge that places are understaffed and that they get very busy when they are understaffed. It took this pharmacist 15 minutes to come to the drive-through window. And I probably would have been a little more empathetic had she not took a fucking attitude with me about it. (laughs) But, um, she tells me I need to come in and that my prescription is going to take about 20 to 30 minutes to fill. That right there already almost set me over the edge too, because I was like, why is this not filled? Like you, I was yeah. like, this, I was like, you guys received this order at 9 a.m. I know it is sitting in your computer system. Why is this not filled at this also, point? How, I just want to know what the process is to fill a prescription. Is it not just grabbing it off the shelf? Actually, I can answer this question. Certain medications are just over the counter and you can grab them off the shelf and the pharmacists have them readily accessible, but others are in actual pill vials that they have to go through, sort, um, like go through a computer system. Everything is very, very controlled. But that can't take more than five minutes. Uh, It does when they're filling other orders and you have people in front of you. It's just a whole process. My dad is a pharmacist, so I just, I know, I was I was ranting to him throughout this entire process, and he was playing devil's advocate for me the entire time, and I just really wanted him to You're like, I get it. I just want relief, dad. No, literally. Joel, please be on my side. Um, so I go in, and she tells me it's going to take 20 minutes. I am literally just sitting in the pharmacy lobby, writhing in pain at this point, and all the most important piece of this. She took down my phone number, okay? And told me she would text me when the prescription was ready to fill. And this is very important because I gave her my phone number, spelled it out as clear as day. And everywhere that there was supposed to be an eight in my phone number, she put a three. I don't know how eight and three sound the same, but she was just straight up not fucking listening to me at this point. I was so irritated. Um, But how this comes into play is that about 45 minutes pass, I'm still sitting in the lobby. I am watching person after person walk in and out, filling their scripts. And I'm like, lady, where is my prescription? I literally just want to go home. I want to lie down and take a nap until I do not feel anything anymore. And so I walk up to the counter. And at this point, I am like beyond done. And she she just hands me my script. And she's like, here you go. And I was like, Has, what, what took so long? And she's like, oh, it's just been sitting here. And I was like, I was like, why where is this text message? Why you can see me sitting in the lobby. Why did you not say anything to me? And she's like, well, you should have gotten the text. I look at the receipt on the phone number. And I looked at, I was like, this is not the phone number I gave you. And she was like, Oh, so then, Oh my God. I'm so then I just want to take my prescription and leave. She's like, I need to update your phone number in the system. I'm giving her my phone number again. And I'm telling you guys, she still put my phone number in wrong. She still put my phone number in wrong. And there's still a three where one of the eights is supposed to be. And I'm just so annoyed with her. Like I will literally never go back to a Walgreens after this experience. I will always send my prescriptions to CVS because CVS would have never done me like that. CVS wouldn't do you like that? No. So um, now that I have ranted about that for probably way too long, (laughs) you guys understand my misery experience. Like I, uh, it was just horrible. When you're in pain like that, like it was, it's almost like panicking. Like I need relief, you know? Yes. It's fine. Yes. It was just the worst. The anger is justified. Yeah. Um, But on a good note, Taylor tried to skip this in our updates, but Hobie just turned 25. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's be excited about turning 25. She's self-employed. She's on a ticking time bomb with her health insurance and she historically does not have good birthdays so she doesn't make a good or a big deal but about this one them. was a good birthday it was don't look at me like that <laughs> you guys can see chloe's face for me right now um am i allowed to hoe you right now yeah you can so this military band number two <laughs> that taylor is roster dating she went on like three or four dates with this man no a week. how no, many no, dates no. did he go on you went out with him three times within seven days Okay, it was three, but it was definitely not The four. third time was her birthday. Well, and she's roster dating this man. Homegirl is whipped, okay? No, I'm not. She is. No, she, I'm not. She's trying to deny it. I will not be down bad for She is down man. bad. I am not. Tell me how that's different than being down bad. I. You see him multiple times a week. How, many, how often do you text him? Every day? No. Okay. No. You're down medium. No. We still have other people on the roster. You're down medium. I'm down medium. Okay, yeah. I'm going to let her have this so we can stop talking about it because I know for a fact my parents are listening to this. And I'm going to get so many questions. Um, but my comment to this is that I am a woman who just lost her rights and I will be exploiting the patriarchy. As you should, queen. All standpoints. Yes. Men can continue paying for my dinners. Men can continue paying for my drinks. I don't care if I make more than them. Fuck them all. Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, Taylor did have a good birthday this year, so that's good. She she did not have a terrible birthday. Okay. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe's so mad at me right now. Liana's also mad at me for how I treat my birthday, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> Moving along, what's your favorite product this week? Okay, this week I have the most beautiful bag from Steve Madden. Bright green little handbag. I'm obsessed with it. I've been just like really embracing color, I feel like, this past year. And this bag is just beautiful. The bag is so cute. It's too small for Taylor, but it is so cute. If you have a normal-sized wallet and a normal-sized phone, this bag is more than enough for <laughs> I Do you see the shit I carry in my purse? No. Not yeah, it is like... I have to make some sacrifices. I'm like, I can't bring a deodorant, a tied-to-go pen, a bottle of perfume, <laughs> like all this stuff. You have to make some sacrifices, but it's worth it in the name of fashion. I think only my keys would fit in a <laughs> person. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> it's beautiful, though. I'm obsessed. Steve Madden makes some great purses, some great shoes. Eh. Yeah, he Go does. Steve. Go, Steve. A man we stand. A man we stand. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Do yeah. we? I don't know. I'm actually going to redact that statement. I yeah. haven't done my research on him as a person. Please don't hold me to this audio. <laughs> we'll research him a little bit, and then we'll let you know how we feel about but Steve we, Madden. We stand his purses and his we shoes. Do, we do stand his products. All right. What is what is your product this my week? My product of the week is a little lippy that my brother bought me for my birthday, so I guess I probably couldn't have gotten 100% away with not mentioning my birthday yeah. on this, but shout out to my brother, Adam. <laughs> the Tarte Maracuja Juicy Lip, the one in specifically the volumizing, not volumizing, plumping version. Ooh. I have the color mixed berries i think it is a very underrated shade i know the color white peach went viral on tiktok um i tried all of them on in sephora using the testers and stuff to make my decision because that's how i am about viral makeup products like i won't just buy things on a whim it has i have to try it first and i was really glad i did because the viral color that everyone was losing their shit over was literal concealer lips on me like it was Ooh. not a cute look not a cute look. But the color Mixed Berries is like my lips, but better. It's a beautiful like mauve pink. I absolutely love it. It does not get the love and respect it deserves. So Mixed Berries from the Maracuja Juicy line, specifically the plumping version. I haven't tried the regular line. Love a good plumping gloss. We do. 
All right. So today's small business is going to go to none other than Art Sugar Co. Art Sugar is reimagining the world of art and here to bring colorful, joyful art and design to everyone. You know, I love that. Art Sugar is a curated platform selling art and decor to the lover of all things chic, accessible and on trend. They launched in 2017 with the goal to make the art world more accessible for artists and for collectors. And today they're a global community servicing customers in six continents. They sell acrylic prints, canvases, sculptures, wall art, home decor, and so much more. All of their stuff is amazing and colorful, and you can check it out at www.artsugar.co. That's www.artsugar.co. And with that, I think we are finally ready to get into this amazing interview with Alex. Podcasting remotely can be challenging. I mean, God knows Chloe and I started a podcast in the middle of a pandemic with zero experience. But thanks to Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution, the podcasting process has been quick and painless, the way it should be. If you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know that we have been obsessed with the quality of our audio from day one. And Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. Not to mention, it's super easy to use, even for guests that aren't tech savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy. With everything from local recording to automatic post-productions in the tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. We want you guys to have the same easy experience as we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. If you go to www.zen.ai slash CEOishpod and enter the promo code CEOishpod, you'll get 30% off your first three months. That's www.zen.ai slash C-E-O-I-S-H-P-O-D. It's time to share your story. Hello, Alex, and welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have such an esteemed artist here with us today. Can you please start off by telling our listeners a little bit about where your passion for art began? Sure. And thank you so much for having me. It's um, great to chat with you today. My passion for art, I think, began when I was four. Uh, I grew up in Manhattan and my mom put me in finger painting classes at the Met, actually. And I was really good at finger painting. And my te- the teachers there were like, wow, she's really great finger painter. And I think just from the acknowledgement and feeling like, you know, I loved doing it, it just kind of spurred this, you know, passion for art. Yeah. So with that then, do you feel like you were really supported by your mom and parents in general throughout your art career? I've been very supported by my parents. I went to a very academic high school and I... Not sure how I navigated it, but I became like the editor-in-chief of the art paper at the school. I made sure I was in like all the painting classes. I was in the AP art class and my parents were supportive. I think also because I was, you know, I had a wide range of interests, but I used like the art side to really, um, I really leaned on that for sure. 
I love that. And we're definitely going to come back to that later because I have a lot of questions about it. But I want to start off by asking you, what does a day in the life of an art curator look like? Well, I uh, I run an e-commerce website where we sell art and home decor by artists all over the world. And there's also an in-house design, which means they're by me. And um, it's the day in the life. Well, I, <laughs> um, I wake up. I usually cook breakfast for me and my fiance. I wake up very, very early. We're morning um, people too. Yeah, totally. I get so much more done in the morning. And then I get to my desk. I go through my emails. I do my order fulfillment, catch up with customers, you know, work on the website. Um, I do everything from A to Z, um, you can imagine, for the website. And I, like, love new technologies that come out. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much like a regular work day. And I do try to do something creative every day because it's important to me and my own growth. So whether that's, you know, for work and creating something new or, you know, trying to make something more beautiful on the website or doing something for me personally, I always try to get some creative aspect in there. Yeah. You are clearly a very creative individual and we'd love to know what your experience has been like. Also, like I, obviously you have your own aspect within your own art and you're a designer as well, but what has it been like also curating with other people's art in addition to your own? Because do you ever feel like your creativity is being put into a box of what other people can produce or is it freeing in a totally different way to be able to express yourself? I definitely don't feel in a box by working with other artists or you know, curating other people's work. Where I do get stifled is I started Art Sugar because I love art and I wanted to democratize art so that it could be, you know, accessible to everyone who liked things that were trendy. But sometimes my work day is just really like a work day. I could be, you know, selling toothbrushes or, you know, it becomes very much a job. And that's when I feel maybe put in a box. I can relate to that so hard because I started my entrepreneurship journey as a social media manager. And, you know, when you're a solo person, you start on the ground, you're doing everything. But then as it gets bigger and bigger, you eventually realize you need a team of people to help you or else it's just not going to be sustainable and you're creatively burnt out and you don't even love what you're doing anymore. But Mm -hmm. then as you step into that CEO role, you end up doing a lot of the things like you know, just admin work and things like that, being the face of a company as opposed to like the real reason you started it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you touched on democratizing art because I think that is the thing that we love most about everything you have built with Art Sugar. If you go onto your website right now, it's truly like shopping at a one of a kind, eclectic, colorful art gallery. It's not like walking through a home goods where so many people have the same version of this mass produced piece of art in their living room. What was your inspiration behind making gallery quality art so accessible? Because I feel like, especially from my point of view, for somebody who is necessarily like super deep into the fine art community. I feel like it's always been very white man snobby for lack of a better word because, you know, art is expensive. There's a lot of time that's put into it, but there are also like the other ends where, you know, people can be kind of snobby about what art school you went to, whether or not you're self-taught, etc. There's just a lot that goes into it. Yeah, that's 
All true. I worked in the uh, very traditional art world for about eight years um, after graduating from my master's degree. And it, I definitely worked in the blue chip art world where, you know, the price point of the works was just not accessible to most people. Um, yeah, the majority of all people. And I thought things were beautiful and I appreciate them from a uh, historical perspective and from just the aesthetic. But I definitely felt like a lot of people were missing out on um, beautiful things because maybe they were like really intimidated by the art world or it, maybe they found it alienating or whatever it was. But um, I thought, why can't they have cool things too? And like Instagram was really becoming a thing when I started this. And I used Instagram as my main platform at the time to, you know, find artists, source customer, source artists, find customers, et cetera. And there are so many people who are doing cool things that aren't represented by galleries or like aren't like in this, you know, kind of traditional art world. Um, and they have a voice too, and they um, are creating really cool things that I think um, people also will really appreciate, you know, regardless of if they went to, you know, an, a certain art school or if they're represented by whatever gallery. So that was really my goal to democratize it, to make it accessible, to make it so that you weren't like afraid to buy. Like that's, that's why the price points are pretty good. I mean, I think you could probably get something larger and more inexpensive or at a home goods. I'm pretty positive. But my customer is also mostly women who um, appreciate things that are, you know, chic and trendy. And they want the new cool thing. And like, I get that because I'm also that customer. So this is really, you know, for women like me, and I think a lot of women who um, want to decorate their homes without breaking the bank but like in a cool way. <laughs> no, I love that. And coming back to all of your experience prior to starting and running your own show, do you feel like if you had to go back and do it all over again, would you follow your same path in terms of going into the traditional art world, spending time there working and getting to know, to know what you would change about everything? That's a really good question. It's a hard question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. Ooh, I, I love to be that kind of person. <laughs> I think I didn't know what I was good at when I went from, you know, high school to college to master's. Like I knew what I was interested in, but I didn't know what would really like excite me. I think I wanted a really traditional path or in a way, but I was kind of just very focused on art and not really like on marketing or whatever. I didn't take like one econ or marketing class or anything like that in college. And I kind of wish I did because if I did, I may have started this like a lot sooner. That's probably my one regret, but I think that's really dangerous to look back like that. You know, I think that's so funny that you mentioned that because I was an advertising major in college, but I went to an advertising program that was housed within a business school. So I really lacked creativity classes. And I definitely feel like there's a huge disconnect between the art in the business world because really they do coincide a lot. And on one end, if you like, if you prioritize one end over the other, you miss out on a lot of really important information from the other. And I can totally see how a marketing class, an e-commerce class of some sort, 
support or even if you took like a basic web design class to like learn how to build a website would have been super beneficial for you. And I can also see how if I would have had like any type of Photoshop creativity, like art, traditional art classes, it probably would have helped me in the advertising sense a whole hell of a lot more too. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that. I mean, the most digital I got in college was like a Photoshop class, which I was so bad at, by the way. Oh, me too. Oh, my God. I just like couldn't focus. Like now I'm teaching myself and I mean, I taught myself web design. I mean, it's like kind of amazing what you can teach yourself if you just like, if it's all you and everything relies on you, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you've just got to learn. You light the fire under yourself to just figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know if Chloe were here, she would definitely be plugging Procreate right now because I think she taught herself on Adobe applications in high school as well, but then she switched over to Procreate and she loves it so much more. Yeah. I've heard of that one. I should probably look into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk with you about the starving artist mentality. I feel like every true artist goes through this at some point in their life where either everyone is super supportive of your creativity and your skills until it comes time for you to pick a career or go to college. And then suddenly it becomes this, oh, oh, you can't make a living as an artist. You can't just paint and draw all day. And it's like this sudden flip in them devaluing your skill and your true talent. Can you share a little bit about your own journey with the whole starving artist? mentality? Sure. It's funny you say that because I had a call this morning and I was talking about this. Um, I think I was a senior in college. It was a very different, I think teaching art in college is probably completely different today because I graduated in 2009, like Instagram didn't even exist. So I remember our professor said like, this is like, if you, I was a painting major, if you decide to do this, this is going to be a very hard life for you. You're not going to make, you know, a solid income. Like it was, you're going to work like crazy. Like you have to fully believe that this is your only path because it is excruciating. This is like what, you know, they told us in school. And um, I think that that's true for some, but I think it's changed so much now that artists have these platforms that they can really like, you know, market themselves, have their own little business, like they're make themselves into a business, you know, the world is sort of your oyster. And um, it's just like a completely different world now than it was. So I don't know if I believe in that. I think starving artists is probably a um, dated concept. I love that. Well, you know, I would love to talk to you too, just on that social media note, because I feel like there's two flip sides to the coin here, especially with apps, like not so much Instagram, but I feel like especially TikTok, because it's just so up and coming and new and so many people are on it. I feel like on one end, Instagram and TikTok can be great for artists because it's like maximum exposure. They can do their own thing. They can build businesses, as you said. But also on the other end, if you're trying to get representation or anything of that sort, like via gallery or anything, I feel like social media can almost kind of stifle the creativity because you're so pressured by what is trending, what other people are doing, what's performing well, etc. Do you feel that at all in any way? Well, I have no idea how to use TikTok, so I can't <laughs> answer that. But I, um, I don't, I don't know. I think that that's. Well, I think that's sort of like goes against really what being an artist is. An artist 
you know, they're going to probably stay true to themselves and not be defined by what's going on, you know, outside of them. I think if it catches on, you know, it, it has mass, uh, mass appeal, then, you know, that's great. But I don't think, an, I mean, I think true artists aren't looking at, oh, what art, what artist is having mass appeal? I'm going to go like, kind of do something like that so that I can get that too. I feel like artists pretty much stay true to themselves. And the ones that do are the ones that really succeed because, you know, just like anything, if your heart's like kind of not in it, you're, I don't know. I don't think it's a great recipe for success. Yeah. I, I think in any industry, you ha- you really have to put your all into it because working is hard. Like just living, being an adult, it's hard. And we put so much time because I don't believe in a 40 hour work week anymore. I think everybody works well above that. So you really have to like what you're doing and be passionate about it in order to see the in order to see the success come of it. Oh, for sure. I mean, I moved this month. Um, I was dealing with a lot of personal things, you know, trying to plan a wedding and I I mean, usually art sugar is my number one, you know, all day, every day, but it like sort of dropped to number two, just as I was like trying to, you know, like deal with some like just life stuff. Be a person. You're not just a business owner, you know? Right. But you know, when you kind of don't treat it like number one, it's Mm -hmm. not going to do as well. And it was like, you're like, kind of like, wow, I can't, this business isn't really going to like, it really needs me. So It sort yeah. of becomes like your baby. So yeah, 40-hour yeah, work week, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I feel like that perfectly transitions me into wanting to talk to you about creative lulls and things like that. So what do you do when you're in a creative lull, when it is your literal job to just be creative, curate, be coming out with consistently new, fresh ideas? How does that affect your mental health when lulls like that happen? And do you have like a specific self-care routine for yourself when you hit these uninspired waves? Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I never really experienced that before, but I started to feel burnout, I don't know, a few months ago. You know, what do you do? You sort of like, like, what do you do to like reset so you can get like more excited about your business again and jump back in? Um, I do a lot of yoga. That's one. I think travel is really important. I think, you know, taking time for yourself. Um, so you can reset or trying to be creative in other ways. Like if you have like a hobby, like if you like to cook, um, but I think friends really are helpful too. Yeah. I feel like the number one thing I can do for myself when I hit a creative lull is to just not force myself to be creative because when I force myself, it makes it 10 times worse. Um, I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a favorite self-care item under $50? Well, yoga class is like 30. Um, self-care item. Honestly, I will take yeah. yoga class because I we've yoga had- class. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We've had people give their favorite coffee. We've had people give food. We've had people give skincare items. But we yeah. always like to ask people, like, how are you taking care of yourself? Because this entrepreneurship game is not easy. And like you said, you've so been hard. go, yeah. go, go for years. Was Do you feel like this was your first experience on the creative burnout side of it? You mean over the last few months? Yeah. I'm trying to think back. I This was the worst one, I think. 
but it happened, I think it happens like once a year, like around like May, you know, you're sort of like the summer needs to come. Things just need to slow down just a little bit, you know, so that you can like fully appreciate everything. But I think also when you're like, go, 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 you also don't really reflect on like what you've done and, you know, be like, oh, you did a good job today, Alex. Like, you know, you never really do that because you're always go, go. I've actually put up like boundaries, which was like, this is the first time I've ever done it where I'm really trying like, okay, once it reaches like 7 p.m., I'm not going to work until the next morning. That's like brand new. I used to like work through the night. I mean, there are definitely like changes I've had to make because I don't want to like burnout. Sometimes it can be like I've read. I mean, it could be like irreversible. So I try to like really take care of myself now so that even if it's like, you know, even when I'm like, it's after seven, I'm like, I'm bored. I need to like do work. I'm like, no, Alex, like you really need to remember, like you can just go right, you can, you know, burn out. You got to take care of your mind. Yeah. I, I feel that sentiment so much because there are so many times I'll be sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm just watching TV. I could be answering emails right now, but like I can't be on 24 seven. I just, I can't be on, I'm not a social media platform. I have to turn off at some point. Yeah, I know. I actually, I seen that exact same thing last night. I'm like watching TV. I'm like, I really should be working right now, but. (laughs) Well, this has been fantastic, Alex. We are so grateful to have you. Where can our listeners find and keep up with all of the amazing things you are doing at Art Sugar Co.? You could follow us on Instagram. It's artsugar.co or visit our website, artsugar.co. All right, CEOs, that is it for today's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, you can find all of our episode and guest information in the show notes, as well as on our website, www.coishpodcast.com, spelled like our name without the dash. Thank you all so much for supporting our show. And for more CEO-ish, be sure to give us a follow over on Instagram at CEO-ish podcast. And be sure to follow us on our personals at Chloe Elizabeth Creative and at Tegram Biz. Be sure you're subscribed to CEO-ish wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really love the show, be sure to give us a five-star review, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really does help us out and we read every single one. We love you guys so much and thank you for tuning in to CEO-ish. We'll see you CEOs in the next episode. Bye.